I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Tuesday, you know what that means. Welcome back, friends, to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I remain in Toronto, Ontario, and joining me on the other line, lounging, dumpling-like, from the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Dumpling, dumpling, dumpling. Friends... This is episode 226 of the Geek Down Podcast. That's right, y'all. We did it. We said, fuck it. <laughs> fuck this shit. We ran out. We, we, did, we did the bit for like four months. Yeah. Four months. We did this bit thinking that maybe we would be able to properly commemorate episode 200 when the world reset itself, but it never did. And it ain't gonna. So Not for a really, really, really long time. So you know what you get? You get clear audio through the fine folks at Facebook. <laughs> this is our big, this is our gift to you that we stumbled into last week. Yeah. When we were setting, sending each other audio clips because we're weirdos instead of talking on the phone. <laughs> so weird. People will send, oh, yeah. We'll send voice memos before we actually have a phone conversation. Yeah, eventually it led to a phone call conversation the whole time. Jordan was like, you're so crisp. You're so clear. What have we been doing with our lives? Why have we not been doing the podcast like this? Friends, if you want to listen to any of our other muffly ass episodes, look up Geek Down Podcast wherever you get your audio content. Click follow or subscribe. And when you do, henceforth, all other 225 episodes of this program will be available to you, and new episodes will be delivered to your device from a man who needs not make resolutions because he's perfect just the way he is. It's your man's. Chauncey, Frostelicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Oh my God, girl, he's just going to drop new episodes of this program directly into your device each and every week. You don't have to do anything else. I aspire to be more like Chauncey this year. <laughs> that is your resolution, such as it were. Yeah, he stays fit. He stretches at least twice a day. <laughs> at least twice. He's very nimble. I mean, he's elvish, right? Least... So, I mean, elves don't need to sleep, but he still makes sure he gets enough rest for his body, mind, and soul. It's important. Get your get your seven hours minimum every day, y'all. Minimum, and for people like me. I need, like, nine hours minimum. It sucks. Friends, let us know how much sleep you're getting on any of our socials, primarily and only Twitter, at GeekDownPod. Get above Twitter. That's where we can be found. Online, um, I don't Facebook, no. I guess the only thing we use Facebook now. I guess we have to say something nice I, about Facebook, because they're providing us with the audio now, so. You know what? I might actually, I'm not going to make any promises, because I've decided this year I'm not going to try and overdo it like I do every January, <laughs> where I'm like, I'm going to make all resolutions i'm gonna be better as a human being and then by like mid-february i've got like chocolate down the front of my shirt and 
you know, sticky chocolate hands and I've gained 10 pounds and I'm like, what happened to me? Um, I'm not going to do that this year. So I'm going to attempt to get onto a schedule to put up something on Facebook every week on, you know, the old mall of social media, blow off some dust. You hear that, Jacqueline? (laughs) (laughs) Jacqueline, that's for you. Coming back, coming back to Facebook. Um, uh, why even bring up ways you can support this endeavor financially? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> KO-FI.com slash GeekDumpPod is still there. If we just move you so much that you're like, you know what? Buy yourselves a coffee. DoorDash yourselves a coffee because you ain't going out to get one. Or, for instance, because you're not going out to get one or anything anymore, you have all this extra change line about. All the money you're saving on transit gasoline it's true three bucks three bucks for your pals at the geek town pod kate yeah how was your holiday uh i basically hibernated which was really nice (laughs) um well as people know i have endometriosis the pain has in the last couple months really subsided which is great uh i get the odd flare-up uh, here and then. Um, but the flip side of endometriosis is that your body is constantly trying to break down and attack your own body. Yeah. Cause your body's, your body's doing stuff. It's not supposed to be doing you silly body. You silly body. Um, so basically your immune systems on overdrive all the time, which leads to, like I can't even explain exhaustion. I think one of the best things I saw was a meme and it was like, you know, you have endometriosis fatigue when you have to sit two minutes into the shower. Like, (laughs) like that's how it is. Like having a shower is actually like, I have to drag myself to go do it because it's such an exhausting process some days. Um, So that's unfortunately been getting, it's not been great. So I spent a lot of this holiday sleeping. And I know some people are like, oh, that's a waste of a holiday. The fuck it is. (laughs) I feel much better. Um, The other thing was this holiday, like every Christmas, I get sick. And I got sick. Um, Every year I either get the flu or a cold or a cough. Um, this year it was a cold and of course, because of the state of the world we live in, I went to go get a COVID test, um, because I was going to, uh, see my dad who lives alone, which I'm allowed to do all those people who are like, rah, rah, rah. um, when you have a parent or a family member who lives isolated and it's just your house and their house, you can go see them. You just need to make sure you're safe. So both myself and senior, senior correspondent Chris got a COVID test, even though he was feeling fine. And props to the people doing the COVID testing right now. We got ours back in less than 24 hours. Really? Yeah. I went to go check online the next day. Just I just wanted to make sure I knew how to get on there and stuff. There weren't going to be any issues. Um, and I signed on expecting not to see anything. And there it was. I did not have COVID-19. <laughs> and there goodness. it was. I had COVID. No. <laughs> no, no, I did not. Um, so, 
yeah. So, and um, I don't know what it's like for your part of the world, wherever you're listening from, but for Ontario, at least, the numbers have really skyrocketed. So we'll be more isolated than usual uh, for the next little while. Ideally. Ideally. I mean, I know people who have been telling me horror stories about areas of Ontario that they live where people are basically, I don't know, pretending they're not locked down. Like, I don't know what their plan is. Um, but yeah, some areas definitely have not been, have not been great. Man. And like, I was, I was so, so here in Ontario, uh, the province that Kate and I live in, they basically announced a province wide lockdown again, second one in, uh, to start on boxing day, December 26th. Um, and on December 24th, I had finished work and I went to go visit my friend, not even visit. I was going to leave the Brazilian's neighborhood to essentially stand on the sidewalk and exchange gifts. <laughs> Which is how you do it these days. <laughs> and I remember her initially being like, oh, this, you'll be done early. You can come up and I'll make breakfast. I'm like, no. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm not doing any of that. I know we both live alone, but like I have chosen the one place I go. It's where the cute person lives. And you cute, Leah, but that's not, no. I have one place I can go to and I've made my choice. I mean, no scrambled eggs in Midtown this Christmas Eve. Um, but I went, uh, I went out to that area. It's actually an area I used to live at when I first got to Toronto and I was waiting for her to come down from her apartment and just like... My fear was that, because we knew, like, when, like, four days out that the lockdown was coming, my fear was it was just going to be, like, pandemonium of people just everywhere doing the fuck. And I texted her while I was waiting for her to come down, being like, Leah, your neighborhood doesn't give a fuck about masks. It was literally, like, the only one out there. That's awful. Yep. And people wonder why the numbers have risen. It's wild, y'all. It's wild. Stay at home and listen to the podcast. Stay at home and listen to the podcast. Um, should be would be remiss. Should take a moment to shout out a uh, friend of the pod, friend of myself, Mr. Malosh, for sitting in last week for the uh, Geek Down Holiday Sickness Spectacular. If you hadn't had a chance to go back and listen to that, friends, even though if you think it might not be your bag, it's really not about records per se. It's about it is about music and records, but it's also about uh, you know what the sickness is and uh, how we cope with anxiety and and what the sickness does for us and how we manage that anxiety and the chaos of our lives. That was a good listen. So thank you, Mr. Malash. I have not listened because as I said, I literally have been sleeping for days. (laughs) Um, so I haven't done much of anything. Uh, but tomorrow is my cleaning day. And, I can tell you, I the times I've listened, because I hate the sound of my voice, the times I've listened to the podcast are the times that I have been cleaning. So if you have some cleaning to do after the holidays, listen to the podcast. Listen, that, that was me. That was me yesterday on New Year's Day. Just a solid, solid clean. Because I had done my shopping. Because, you know, obviously I didn't go home for Christmas. I was just chilling out of the apartment. I did uh, have a place to go on Christmas and Boxing Day, which was lovely and very enjoyable. But for, you know, obviously I didn't go home, so my parents sent me a gang of money. It was very cute. My dad called me on the phone on my way into work, and I thought it was going to be something related to my mom. My mom had come home from the hospital after her, you know, stumble and 
head injury. I thought it was going to be something related to that because my dad really didn't sound that good. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? He's like, oh, I won't bother you. Then I'm like, dude, I got like 20 minutes before I got to be at work. Just, you know, tell tell me what's up. You know, dads, right? Like, Oh, dads, totally. Don't don't want to impose. I was like, you called me. Like, what what's it about? If I got to be late for work, I'll be late for work. Just tell me what's up. Uh, it's like, well, I need your banking information so we can send you some money for Christmas. And I don't want an argument about it. Because I giving him a little shit at my birthday. <laughs> right. Um, and I was just like, okay, no argument. And his mood lightened <laughs> immediately. <laughs> like, oh, da- oh, see, that's nice. Oh, dads. Um, so because I said I wouldn't give him an argument, I couldn't yell at them for how much money they gave me, but it was a lot. And I also promised them I would not hoard it. So. Wow. Actually, that's a big, that's a big promise. That I would actually use it to purchase some things and Caitlin I've already told Caitlin this so she's faking surprise because she already knows Caitlin I did not buy a single record I am so proud of you look at you be an adult for three days and listen it's only because <laughs> it's only because I was on Amazon <laughs> and trying to take advantage of the the pr- free prime promo they were giving me which was going to run out at the end of January but then they gave me another month I'm like what are you doing Amazon I'm like bro I'm never going to pay for it like just keep giving me free months but go ahead um, oh, they know what they're doing. <laughs> you ain't, you ain't going to get me hooked. I don't shop from you that often. But you want to talk about poor brain and just people in my life have heard all these stories before, including Caitlin. But for some of y'all, if you don't really know what poor brain is, poor brain is when the purchase of something will be bring a market improvement to your life. But the means with which you already do that thing still technically work. So even if you have the money to make this improvement, you really agonize over whether to make it. Friends, I am for, for years on this show, you have heard me enjoy my coffee during the recording of the podcast. I am using the same coffee pot I have used since God, God. It must be more than 10 years. Easily more than 10 years. The carafe is kind of getting a little stained in spots. Uh, filters don't really fit that well in it. It's kind of like, it's basically, if you go to a holiday Inn, this is what you find, um, which works for me because I live alone and I'm the only person here drinking coffee. I don't need something that makes a 15 cup carafe. I will drink it all and die in a week. I don't need that. (laughs) But if you want a, you know, two to four cup carafe, you're looking at, you're in holiday Inn territory, but I found this coffee maker, obviously with a name like Zojirushi. That was going to catch my eye because I'm a fucking weeb. <laughs> like, You're such a weeb. I was like, what's that? Turns out, good rated, built-in water filter. Got like the shower drip. The the fil- the coffee actually is in the carafe, so it brews in the pot. The water drips down and filters and then drips Ooh. into the pot. So it's more of a slow pour through the coffee. I know this will improve my life. It was $70, Caitlin. It was $70 with on sale. Four days. Four days easily mulling this over. Okay. So, uh, one of the things I, one of the reasons we think I got a cold (laughs) that we weren't sure was a cold, maybe could have been, um, was it's really dry in our house. Mm -hmm. Incredibly dry. Um, Even the, like the dry like dust bowls that run across our floor complain how dry it is. 
they're trying to use cocoa butter to like, moisture their <laughs> like i have to i have to moisturize like twice a day at least um so chris had said well why don't you get a humidifier for the bedroom you know, so I because usually when I wake up, like my throat's killing me, my my nasal passage, passage, and I was like, a humidifier, that's a thing that might make my life better, but tends to be more than ten dollars. <laughs> and I mean, I'm still breathing. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll be fine. Like sure, I wake up and. I've got like t- like three times a night and I've got like an incredibly dry throat and I have trouble breathing and it's giving me like a cough, but I, I get it. Like my lungs still work. I got a shower. I can just go stand in there for 20 minutes. Yeah. So I did, but he, he just was like, no, we're buying it. He's like, you either you can buy it and find a deal. He's like, or I can buy it and. <laughs> you play pay too much money for it and then you get sad and i'm like okay fine <laughs> the other one was a little easier because it was only like 20 dollars. it was a rice cooker but again same thing it was like so what if i burn my rice 60 percent of the time at the bottom of the pot because <laughs> my bur- cause my burner is all or nothing and <laughs> can no longer handle the nuance of a simmer anymore <laughs> Uh, we have problems. Like, it's better than it was for sure, but there are moments where I'll, he'll just call, he knows now. He knows the look on my face when he said, like, oh, we should really get you some new, but like, you literally have a hole in your shoes <laughs> that's letting water in. We should get you some new shoes. And I'll like make this, I, it's apparently, I, I've never seen it, but apparently it's a very specific face that mixes concern with like like old lady like <laughs> I'll just use my husband's coat to make me a new dress <laughs> like it's this very very like wartime we don't need curtains people. that long yeah I'll make Timmy some new trousers <laughs> of the old curtains well, our brains may be poor, Caitlin, but our our spirits are full and rich of, of entertainment and takes oh, yeah. and culture. All that is to say, I got to bring the room down now a lot, y'all. <laughs> oh, can I just do mine first oh, do you before a, you do, do yours? Do you have a fun thing? Do you do you want to cap it with a fun thing, or do you, I think you should cap uh, it? Okay, okay. It's just a tiny fun thing. Is it fun? Good. Bring us back up. Okay. Bring us back up after I get through this. Friends, I'm going to try to avoid uh, having this go on for too long or have too much of me talking in it. But it really is. It was really a one-two punch over the holidays that uh, just, ugh. So I'm out uh, being cute on Boxing Day. And uh, right before I went to bed, um, I flipped open my phone. You know, we hop on Instagram and I see... WWE has posted one of these like in remembrance things for a guy named John Huber who would be, have been known to wrestling fans in the WWE as Luke Harper. And more recently in AEW as Mr. Brody Lee, uh, he was 41 years old. He died oh. of what his, uh, family statement said was a non COVID related lung issue. I don't know what that means or what happened. He was on television like a month ago um he did get injured in a match but so he was out but 
you know, I don't think anybody suspected anything like this. And this is a guy who started when I first saw him, he started in the WWE as a member of the Wyatt family with Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan as kind of, you know, the Florida Everglades, uh, cult leader stable, which I maintain is one of my favorite, most unique creative stables I've seen in wrestling in the last, like, you know, 20 years. He's basically it's Cape fear type shit, right? Like he's basically, yeah. Bray Wyatt as the leader as this, like, you know, De Niro and Cape fear type of a uh, character, <laughs> Hawaiian shirts and sleeveless undershirts and a straw fedora type thing looking all creepy and menacing. And he had these two toughs with him who were just like, and Luke Harper, this massive, like, six foot plus dude with a giant beard and these crazy eyes in a dirty sleeveless undershirt and some nasty jeans, but could also, like, you know, do a hurricanrana, which is a very, like, athletic, you know, you basically jump up and wrap your legs around a guy's head and flip him over. Um, he could do shit like that. He was a guy who wrestled as Brody Lee. Because he was a big Kevin Smith, uh, Jason Lee fan. So you have Brody from Mallrats and Lee, the actor who played him. That's amazing. And he, when obviously, as they always do, they broke up the Wyatt family and never really found a place for Luke Harper. And he was one of these guys who asked for his release a long time out. He wanted, he was like, you know, thank you for everything, but um, this isn't working for me anymore. I would like to leave. They kept him under contract and wouldn't let him leave for a while. And then they finally did. And he really, he slimmed down a bit and went to AEW and became this, like, the whole time in AEW, ever since they launched, there's been this faction called the Dark Order. And they've always talked about they are serving an exalted one. That is who the, that is who they serve. They serve the exalted one. <laughs> and ultimately, it was revealed that the exalted one was Mr. Brody Lee when he debuted. And That's cool. He, uh... Whether this, I've heard since, and again, this is now going to be, get into like why even more of this sucks and why it's been so emotional for me. It's just, he was really beloved by everyone to a degree that I didn't really understand. Um, Cause number one, he was on the indie scene forever. And when these indie guys all know each other from, you know, riding the roads together. And like, I think Jericho shared a story where he was, he shared two stories. He shared a story where. Harper had stopped by his room and he was like shooting the shit. They were on a Saudi Arabia show and Jericho complained about this like sticker or something like on his roof. He's like, I don't even know what that is. You're tall. Can you reach that? And Brody was like, Oh no, man, that's the, uh, that's the arrow pointing to Mecca as you can pray. And <laughs> Jericho was like, how do you know that? And Brody was like, how do you not know that? Like, that's just like the type of guy he was. And he would always like complain that he didn't have any merch. <laughs> He was always, he was always joking and complaining that he didn't have any merchandise. So I think I think I think it was Jericho posted this photo of just like a murderer's row of current WWE talent with Harper and these like homemade shirts that they had made of him. Like Roman Reigns, the current like top guy, is standing there like you know mugging in one of these like Luke Harper shirts. Like he was beloved. And That's cool. I don't think they started the Dark Order thing in AEW with the idea that Brody Lee would come and lead it. I think when they were pitching around ideas for what he could do when he got there, his thing was put me with the Dark Order so I can make these guys. Like, so I can build these guys up. They had a tribute, AEW had a tribute last week, and it was the two things that everybody said that you need to know about 
Brody is that he was beloved by his peers and was like on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling dads. Like all he cared about was his kids and getting his wife and getting back to them. Um, he was always the first one out the building because <laughs> he wanted to be back on the road to get home. So the dark order are always numbered for the most part. There's like evil uno and 10 and like <laughs> a lot of them have numbers. Mm-hmm. So Brody Lee jr. Was out there. I think he's like eight or nine. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be rough. Y'all. No, He's going to be rough. Y'all. No, what are they doing? <laughs> he's, I don't even know this guy. He's out there. Brody Lee jr. Is out there at ringside with the dark order guys. He's wearing a mask. They're calling him, they're calling him negative one. Um, the entire show was basically the good guys won every match. Um, the main event was Brody Jr.'s favorite wrestlers all teaming up. (laughs) And you go to hell, you go to hell and you die. (laughs) Kate, it's going to get even worse. Fuck. No. So one of the most, the moment where like, again, this, what made this guy this guy's career and why this is such a fucking bummer is nobody really saw what he could do until he got to AEW. Um, when they broke up the Wyatt family because of the way he looked and he's told this story, I'm not speaking out of turn, you know, Harper told this story on, uh, Jericho's podcast. Vince just thought he should have a Southern accent. He's like, I'm from like Boston. (laughs) Like, and Vince was like, well, try try a Southern accent. And he couldn't do it. So he's like, I can't do a fucking Southern accent. Like, <laughs> but because of the way he looked with this big ass beard and crazy eyes, it's like, oh, he should, he should talk with a Southern accent. And they couldn't really figure out what to do with him because he couldn't do a Southern accent. And that's all Vince could see him as. So it's not for nothing. Mr. Brody Lee, when he got to AEW as the character displayed a lot of in jokes to Mr. Vince McMahon. <laughs> Like they'd film these little vignettes of him with the dark order and somebody would sneeze and he'd get all pissed off while he was eating his steak, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nothing but steak took a lot of, took a lot of inside shots of Vince, but he had this match against Cody Rhodes for their like secondary title. So they have their world title and then they have the TNT title, which is the network they're on. It's the secondary title and Brody challenges for this. And the way they book the match is Brody just destroys Cody utterly wrecks him and within minutes pins him wins the title great match you know people said later in this tribute that you know they heard Brody telling Cody like thank you for the best night of my career like he was finally people were seeing what he could do outside of the WWE box and he then had this like brutal dog collar match with Cody where he lost the title again and the running joke was that his kid was really bummed out when he lost the title because he loved having the belt around. <laughs> Kate? Yeah? They're retiring that belt. Oh, they, no. gave, they gave it to Brody Jr. And he's going to keep it. They'll make a new belt. They also signed him to a lifetime contract. The shit that happened after Air was his wife and family came out and put his boots in the middle of the ring. And they showed this like, you know, video with like a fucking Tom Waits song. And Tony Khan was on Twitter later being like, I paid the rights for that song like forever. So that tribute can live like, so we never have to take that down. And it was like Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, like on his knees, hugging Brody jr. And this kid did so much Kate through the night. He was in like angles. The wrestlers were like 
healing on him. He smacked some guy with a kendo stick. Like, he was... Every... This kid was part of the show. But by the end of it, after they went off the air, when he finally, like... It's almost like he just collapsed in Tony Khan's arms and in his mother's arms. Like, he just... He was so... He was just, like, exhausted. And Tony Khan was, like, visibly crying while he hugged this kid. And all I'm thinking is, like, Vince McMahon would never... <laughs> Okay, end of the podcast, everyone. Okay, I killed Kate. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> as good as they come, it seems like, and just really, really fucking tragic, and a, just a gut punch that I was not expecting on Boxing Day until I got another gut punch, Kate. <laughs> Why are you do? What did I do to you? <laughs> so let's let's move from wrestling to music. When I'm just chilling at work, working on New Year's Eve. Flipping through the Instagram as you do. It's always Instagram. Maybe I just need to get off Instagram. Um, <laughs> with the news um, through a statement his wife had made on his official Instagram account that back in October, underground legend uh, MF Doom had passed away from causes what? from causes unknown. MF um, Doom passed away. Apparently, some folks are still holding on to hope that this is some sort of cruel joke, but his his wife posted, released a statement on New Year's Eve day on the Instagram saying that he transitioned on October 31st. Um, y'all, if you are unfamiliar, Metal Face Doom started in a group called KMD, or Causing Much Damage, back in the early 90s. Then he rapped as Zevlov X. And I first knew him as doing a guest verse on third base as the gas face back in the nineties. Um, and then he his group KMD put out an album. Uh, it did okay. Didn't like set the world on fire, but it got a fair critical appraisal. I feel like, you know, promising debut sort of thing. Um, then they start working on the sophomore album, which they called Black Bastards. Uh, it gets shelved by the record label. They refuse to put it out, primarily because the cover art had a Sambo figure uh, at a gallows about to be hung. And they drop the group, refuse to put out the album. And then Doom's brother, DJ Subrock, was killed when he was hit by a car. All kind of in the same year. Uh-huh. So... Doom goes silent. Sorry, his real name was Daniel Dumoulay. Dumoulay goes silent for the better part of 10 years and then returns as this character, the villain, MF Doom, wearing a metal mask um, inspired by Dr. Doom. He had another alias called Victor Vaughn. Um, and just for the next, like, 20 years put out, like, crazy, consistent, underground just insanely good music. Another guy that like nobody has a bad thing to say about like doom keeps kicking me in the gut because I'm, I keep finding ways that like, like I just discovered like he was on like a gorillas album. Like he was everywhere. He was respected by so many people like emo kids and you know, the rap, the backpack heads and just a brilliant example of just an uncompromising artist. He was <laughs> I think the thing he probably got the most shit on was when he just decided he didn't want to do concerts anymore. <laughs> and he would send, <laughs> he would send people out with the mask. 
because to him it made sense. The mask, the whole story was like the mask could be anybody. Like all that mattered was like being dope. The mask could be anybody. That was just a further extension of it. It's like, you know, Doom is a character. Anybody can play it. I read an interview um, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, of all people, in The New Yorker from, like, 2009. um, Of him basically saying, like, I might send a white guy out there next. I might send a Chinese guy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, anybody could be the mask. And just, like, he just put out a thing with uh, Toronto local jazz group bad bad not good uh a johnny hammond cover that was like the centerpiece of the one of the grand theft auto radio refreshes like he just was always working and i think that's why he was he was kind of like from what i know because i kind of started deep diving every so often i deep dive rappers (laughs) and i'm always and then i say something and jordan's like how do you know that you're so white and i'm like (laughs) i know things he's kind of like omnipresent i think yeah i think that's why he kicked me so hard it's because he's just always around you were never and he's had he's had a really weak like he so he he was born in england that i that i didn't know until i read the uh ta-nehisi coates article today oh yeah he was born in england and then a couple years ago he was on tour and they wouldn't let him back in the united states they wouldn't let him come back I, i had no idea about any of that yeah, and then he was – I wonder if that's one of the reasons. I mean, not – I'm sure he possibly knew them before, but I don't know when he worked with the gorillas. But it could be working with artists that are like – he he basically was just like, fuck the United States. <laughs> um, but technically, he'd never become – I think it's naturalization. Um, and he'd never become a naturalized citizen or something like that. Right. Or hadn't, hadn't signed, uh, hadn't done whatever proper paperwork. Yeah. So they wouldn't let I him back like in. I think it's like for us, it's resi- residency in Canada. I think it's called anyways, but and it, he, like, so he, he didn't get to see his family for years. And then they think they eventually moved to be with him, but just like he's had this. And then, uh, yeah, he's just had lots happen and very enigmatic and in the thing I read like years and years ago, it was described as your favorite rapper's rap favorite rapper. I mean, he was a for myself, he was a um like you said, omnipresent. Like I knew of him. I knew there was I knew I knew Zev Love X started wearing a mask and did like weird underground stuff. Um and honestly, it's really similar to me and Dilla, frankly, where, like, I kind of fell off on Dilla solo stuff in, like, the early aughts and then caught up to it years later and was like, holy shit. Doom's, like, real cementing of himself as an icon was this project he did with Mad Lib uh, called Mad Villainy. They, you know, them together was Mad Villain. And, God, I just listened to that album again front to back yesterday while I was cleaning and it's fucking flawless. Um but I knew that was a thing. It's got this crazy iconic album cover of just Doom's face with the mask on. It was kind of like poorly lit, kind of grimy looking photo of him with the mask on. And it's terrifying, frankly, if you look at it. Like if, if you were just, if you walked into a record store and you saw that, you just buy it on site to be like, what the fuck is that? Um, <laughs> but I was remember certain segments of rap Twitter getting pretty, getting rather excited years ago. I think this was during the late night days when, you know, before they were on the tonight show of the roots performing with weird Al Yankovic, just jamming 
before, like Weird Al was like sitting in, you know, they'd always have people sit in whether they were like performing or not. Yeah. And since they had Weird Al, they had him like, they were playing the Mad Villain song Accordion with Weird Al. And I was like, what is this? And even just the chords of the accordion that he's playing, it's this real like melancholic, like... Like that's that's the sample, that's the loop. I'm like that is a weird chord phrase, <laughs> and I I hadn't yeah. even I hadn't heard the song before. And when they mentioned it, I went back. And I was like, well, what is this? What is this accordion song? And I listened to it. And Kate, I swear to God, it was like listening to Dilla again for the first time. It was like, <laughs> like brain <laughs> brain exploding. That song was just blew my brain apart. And every time you would hear Doom, his his voice was so recognizable, and you you just. You were never surprised when he showed up because he was just kind of always around and everybody liked him. Like, yeah, it was not a surprise to see MF Doom show up on something. So it was really like a, like just a shudder through hip hop this week. Because and with both of these guys, and this is I'm going to connect it, Kate. Both of these dudes, oh. Doom and Brody Lee, are both like these. What makes it so tragic to a certain extent is like these are both guys who like flourished in their second acts. Right? Like, just right. threw away the whole Fitzgeraldian notion of, like, there are no second acts in American life. Like, these guys were both in their 40s and at, like, you know, had hit their prime in their late 30s. Like, had got it together and were really doing it later in life. And, like, disproving, especially for Doom's case, where hip-hop is such a young person's, you know, game. Yeah. He was... It, it's tough. I mean, both wrestling and and being a musician and touring, and it's it's tough. It's tough on your body. It's tough on your mind. It's you're away from family for weeks and weeks at a time. Just Doom was like perennially relevant. There was never a time he wasn't relevant. Another thing I've come to appreciate about him in later years is like he did most of the beats. He did a lot of his own beats. And he, what made him amazing was, like, he was never rating, like, his dad's jazz collection. He was rating, like, your auntie's R&B collection. Like, <laughs> the dude was, like, sampling Anita Baker, the most legendary sought after. And it's, I think it was this year or last year, they finally tracked it down. It was, there's a song called Next Levels on one of his, he had a million aliases, right? And it was this, this project called King Ghidorah. Cause he liked, you know, he liked Godzilla movies too. Um, it was a song called next levels. And it was just this awesome jazz flip. It was basically just like a jazz, a jazz loop with some drums on it, but it went so hard Kate and it was so good. And no one knew where the fuck this piano line came from that he put on mm. it. And then somebody found out that it had to have been lifted from like a VHS tape recording of like a, jazz program from BET. It was like the intro music. Oh my god. To like jazz impressions that aired on like Sunday mornings on BET. I fuck, love shit like that. Fucking incredible. I love it. Fucking incredible. I will send you the link later. But like <laughs> and somebody either the guy who found it like wrote an article on like a medium piece or something explaining like the whole thing that went into it and like how we found it and like like calling up producers and shit like some of these like vaguely thought it sounded like something they heard on this BET show so he like fucking did the work <laughs> he was like did he get a cash prize I, like, I just 
it's 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 one of the finds of the century. I, I can't think of another sample that would probably. I know Questlove's always badgering Q-Tip about uh, the Crooklyn Dodger sample that Q-Tip says he can't <laughs> that Q-Tip says he can't remember what it was anymore. But um, yeah, that that next level's sample discovery was one of the most landmark, and it was the sort of thing where like every this happens with me sometimes where like I'll be really, I'll love a rap song and I'll look for the sample and nobody's unearthed it yet. But then like a year will go by and I'll remember that song again. I'll check. And sometimes they find it. Next levels was one. I would like, I swear to God, like every couple of years, I would just be like, somebody had to have found that by now. And they never had until like last year or this year. Like the last time I checked, it was like, Oh my God, they found the next level sample. And you can't even go out and buy it. Cause it's a fucking, <laughs> it's a fucking VHS tape. Like, <laughs> Anyway, rest in peace to Brody Lee. Rest in peace to Metal Face Doom. Taken, both taken far too soon. And just the the pin, the pin at the end, the period at the end of that garbage-ass year we left behind. Can we, is there a way to, like, erase 2020? Like, can we just, you know, control X or something? (laughs) Like, just get rid of it. Um, so, I don't know how uplifting Bring my... Bring us up, Kate. Bring us up. It's not... It's not... It's almost like... It's not actually news. It's just stuff for you to look forward to. Cool. In January. Um, the first thing is a very tiny inside joke that I hope Jordan gets. Um, it's that uh, Yellowstone is now on Amazon Prime. <laughs> No, it's not. It is. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. Come back next week Yellow- for, for Jordan K. Check out Yellowstone. <laughs> Yellowstone, the show that every single per- person Literally in the United States is watching. Every human on every human in America is watching. Is on is on Amazon Prime. Um, on Netflix, besides all the usual comings and goings in January, the most important news is that both The Mummy and The Mummy Two, oh, The Mummy shit. Returns, is on Netflix. Um, and finally, on the Disney Channel, if you're an adult and not uh, Caitlin or senior correspondent Christopher, the thing that um, you're going to look forward to and probably watch is WandaVision. That's going to be a good time. Should be. It looks like a good time. So with all the death and destruction in the world, you at least have your sweet, sweet television to bring you warmth and company. All content. You never let us down. Listen, when we start, when we bash through the updates right now, I'm going to have a very, have a very beautiful tribute to, to the role content plays in our lives (laughs) in a moment. But Kate, what did you get? You get anything fun and out of the ordinary while you were hibernating? Um, so it was all about, I I did some things that, of course, we may have, I don't, we watched The Mandalorian while we were on break, right, from the show? Yeah, I guess guess the last episode came out right after we went on hiatus. Okay, so maybe we can save that to talk about. Good for us. (laughs) I have some things I need to talk about. Oh, all right. Um, I watched... Uh, Star Trek Discovery last episode I think of the season of the like I think there's a hiatus and there's more episodes 
I believe that's what it is. But anyways, last episode of the of the season before the break, or or just the season, um, is technically out at this moment. But we usually watch it with our housemates on Sunday, so I will be watching that tomorrow. But so far, the rest of the season has been good. This has been the best season so far. Fight me, uh, I dare you to. Um, uh, I watched the uh, second season of Hilda. I was going to ask uh, if you knew there were new episodes. I saw the, the new episodes block on yes. uh, on the tile, on the Netflix tile. And I was like, does she know? She yeah, must oh, know. I knew. She must know. I saw it and I was like, ah! Um, I almost insisted on watching it um, without seeing a correspondent Chris because he was like busy playing video games or something. I was like, I'm watching all of this. He's like, okay, fine. We'll watch it. Um, we both enjoyed it. It was very good. Um, it ended on a cliffhanger. What? I know. I have to wait till third season. Um, I'm trying. Oh, and and finally, to 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 just shore up the comf. I read so occasionally. I mean, I read quite a bit of news. Occasionally, your brain gets tired of news, though. And I was ending my news reading cycle for the day, and all I saw was a or someone posted on, um on the Facebook or I don't know where I saw it, but I just saw basically a headline that was watching reruns of shows is good for you. Thank God. And I was like, what is my childhood? Like, what is one of the standout television shows from my childhood? Do you know what that is, Jordan? The, like the standout or one of the standout shows from my childhood? From your childhood? Sorry? From your childhood? Yes. Sorry, I immediately go to, like, sitcoms, but I guess it doesn't have to be a sitcom, right? Live action or animated? Live action. Is it a sitcom? It is not. Not a sitcom. It explains a lot about why I am I am the way I am. Unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Law and order. <laughs> bum, bum. I'm talking, like, 90s. Law and Order. Where's the Orbach Hive at? Where are you at? Oh, oh, you don't even know. <laughs> Lenny is my hero. Um, but I, I watched a little bit. I found some on YouTube. Um, but Amazon has from season 10 to the finale. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, um, OG Law and Order wait. had a finale? <laughs> well, well, it didn't have a finale, but they canceled the show eventually. Oh. Um, and then everyone was all like, ah, SVU. And I'm like, are you nuts? I was like, original Law & Order for life. Um, and so I watched some – I'd seen some of it because it was sort of around the time I stopped watching, like the season 10, 11, 12. I'm into se- like season 13, 14. I don't watch all of the episodes. Oh, um, I actually – I'm. I more so enjoy the detecting um, part. So sometimes I'll just watch half episodes. <laughs> so when it moves on to the order part, you're like, meh. Eh, whatever. Um, and uh, this is kind of why I liked Criminal Intent so much was because it was all detecting. Um, but I, there's, I realized what it is about uh, Law and & Order um, and why it was so interesting was because it was very much like a private investigator or a detective in that they're taking these small crumbs of 
evidence of um, this person might have seen something. They know his first name's Jerry. They go to this place. They're like, oh, yeah, we have a credit card slip from him because he bought this magazine. Like, it's all these bits and pieces that they've put together. It's a, it's a puzzle. And we know how much I love puzzles. Um, so, yeah. So, I have I have watched hours of Law & Order um, over this holiday season. Um, and when I get tired of Law & Order, I watch one of my second favorite things, documentaries. I have learned more about the Mayans and the Incas oh God. than I ever thought I would know. Um, specifically, there is a – on YouTube, there is a documentary called Secrets of the Maya. I would check it out. Short-ish documentary, like 40 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. Very interesting stuff. I know Disney has some, some interesting um, documentaries. So uh, I I just kind of – I think it was just yesterday or the day before, um, after finishing The Mandalorian, which I will talk about, uh, senior correspondent Chris and I watched the Disney gallery, The Mandalorian, making of season two. Um, so, yeah. So it all ties together. It's all stuff to make me feel, like, warm and fuzzy. And, of course, there was um, The Muppets, A Christmas Carol. Of course. Of course. So yeah, so when you get to the Mandalorian, uh, we will stop and we will talk about it. Well, let's just talk about it now. Mando. <laughs> okay. Um, what the fuck was that ending? <laughs> Which part? Okay, so I know that we spoke about it briefly that Luke shows up. <laughs> spoilers for the Mandalorian. I spoilers for the Mandalorian. Luke shows up. Um. And at the very end, to take uh, Baby Yoda. And I was talking to my good friend, Ren Hanman. Check out her books. Um, and she was talking about how I believe she read an article from someone um, who had written about the episode or, or written about the season and said, you know, my kids have watched every episode of The Mandalorian. And when Luke showed up, they had no fucking idea who he was. This is a this is a great this is a great angle. Please continue. <laughs> I I think I think we were both I in like, agreement here. Yeah, I I really like Star Wars. I like the original content. Um, we are watching the originals right now. We're on Return of the Jedi, which we're probably going to watch tonight or tomorrow. Um, we've decided in the new year we're going to watch the prequels and we're going to watch the sequels um i don't love the prequels they have a lot of issues um and of course same with the sequels there are bits and pieces i love i like skywalker um i like when people explore other parts of the galaxy i always like when characters show up but in this case um even though senior correspondent chris was like he saw the X-Wing and was just like, ah! like he just immediately knew and was excited and he really liked it. And I didn't, I thought that I thought a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it was horrible, but I was like, okay, yeah, Luke's going to show up and he's going to like, ah, he's going to destroy everything and it's going to be fine. But like, really, you're going to give your, your son to a complete stranger. Like if he had at least said like, Hey, I know Ahsoka Tano or Ahsoka Tano or I felt 
Grogu or, I don't know, some kind of explanation, not just some stranger who's like, you don't even know my name. I'm going to take your child. I have problems with that. <laughs> Didn't um, he say, are you a Jedi? Like, Yeah, like anything. I also have problems with what the fuck with the face. It doesn't look good. Why would you do it if it doesn't look good? It might be fun. Caitlin Caitlin is referring to the fact that they used a similar technique that they used in Rogue One for Carrie Fisher, where it's just a, like, CGI'd, de-aged Mark Hamill. Which which I have seen deep fakes better. Thank you very much. I think somebody posted a deep fake with Mark Hamill's face and it looked better. What are they? And the Carrie Fisher thing from Rogue One, I also was like, uh, just do the back. Just I, or like get Sebastian Stan say, or get a young guy to say, hello, I'm Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Recast him. Um, I just, there, I liked the whole season except for that end bit. Oh, and then Ahsoka Tano's Leku. Those are the things I did not like about this season. Oh, and him eating the frog eggs. I just, I know it's just like regular eggs, but it's weird because there's a mother who's actually like trying to protect them and it was a whole thing. eat eggs in front of the chicken. Yeah, it's fucking weird. When they're an intelligent being, like, who has a range of emotions. Also, they're not the last chicken eggs in existence. Yeah, like, and... Yeah, and I love when they were like, oh, we thought it would be funny. It's not. It's not fucking funny. Genocide's always funny, isn't it? Genocide's always funny. Anyway, um, so those are my thoughts about the end. I know lots of people are probably going to have problems with this. Maybe some people are going to be like, I agree with you. But specifically the, like, the face bit where he, like, takes his hood off. I was like, ugh. (laughs) Like, don't do it if it looks terrible and you people are in the film business you know what looks terrible you spent thousands of dollars on things like someone's outfit because you want it to look precise and meanwhile you've got this abomination uncanny valley face projection thing i didn't like it caitlin yeah i agree with you what oh my gosh (laughs) for for different reasons. My reasons are one of the, you know, the main reason why I have enjoyed the Mandalorian, despite being a bit of a star Wars agnostic is it just wasn't all the shit that gets the chuds all worked up. You know, while the chuds are all over getting mad about last Jedi and, you know, the Ryan Johnson and all that shit. I just had my own little pocket over here. Me and Mando chilling out. <laughs> me and Mando and BBOs just chilling out, having a great old time. And it was, I was enjoying seeing some of the wider perspective or just a glimpse into the wider perspective that you have seen through like, you know, 10 years of the clone wars and the greater Filoni verse, right? Like Mm -hmm. getting a little bit of that with your, you know, the sprinkle of Ahsoka Tano or Bo-Katan or whoever else. It's like, look at all this stuff that's been going on that they never talked about. That all sounds dope. Here comes Luke Skywalker. Doop, 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 doop. Um, (laughs) Great. I get it. Y'all, y'all had a great, y'all a great time with that. Yes. I like seeing him be badass. I like seeing them just crush like 17 death droids. Like it was nothing. Like they were made of paper mache. That's cool. Um, and I do wonder, this is, this is not my take. This is a take I saw that if this will actually does like put the pin in the baby Yoda story arc. And now they can tell the story that maybe they kind of always wanted to tell, which is the, like the fate of Mandalore. 
and whatever that's going to entail, whether that's all leading up to, because we mentioned, you know, with the Disney flex a couple of weeks ago, you're going to have your, you know, rain, Rangers of what the fuck's it called? The Rangers of the something. <laughs> Um, I don't remember. You're going to have like three Mandalorian shows and one's going to be just Ahsoka Tano and one's going to be probably the, the Cara Dune character and a couple other folks. You're getting a Boba Fett show, apparently. As yeah, per, as that per wasn't even cre- announced. As per the end credit tag. That was, that was a total fucking heat check. I respect that. They fucking laid all this shit out for like five hours on like Wednesday. <laughs> And then Friday dropped, and it was like, by the way, fuckers, Boba Fett show, bam. That, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I know some people who are like, uh, I don't really want a Boba Fett show, but I'm like, I'm fine with that. I mean, senior correspondent put it a really interesting way. It's like the opposite of gatekeeping. Um, and they taught, and this was came from a conversation from us watching the um making of uh, season two um they talk about boba fett and how he was like really given you know the, the kind of the cold shoulder like he deserved more he was nothing he was a he was a set of armor yeah and 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 you know chris always loved boba fett like when i first met him he had a boba fett keychain never got it thing um, he, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I guess if you were knee deep in like the expanded universe, I just, there was no there there for me. It was like, okay, uh, he's a cool it, guy. He's a cool we, guy who came for Han Solo. Like, all right. He's got it some, was cool a, armor. some, it, it, some of that, but some of it, you know, when kids find something, they really respond to, or like, he has like knee rockets, like it, for a kid, you're like, cool. Like they just loved that. And, um, the director Rodriguez. What's his first name? Robert. Robert. I knew it was another R. Right, but he's, I was like, he's not running Roy. the show, right? Like, he's well, the- he talks about his love of Boba Fett and how even before a Boba Fett appears on the screen, there was a Boba Fett action figure, and it was sort of like, who is this character? And like. He's look at all his cool stuff. He's got a jetpack for fuck's sake. Y'all, y'all know it's the jetpack. Y'all, y'all know when you were riding for Boba Fett before he had a personality, it was just jetpack. You were just here for the jetpack. Jetpack guy. Um, so you know, for someone like Chris, he's super interested in that. But I think what they're trying to do is like make a Star Wars for everyone. And I said before that I think it's too much Star Wars. But when we did, I did actually watch some of the like Star Wars presentation they did for um, investors. I was like, Jesus, I'm guessing it's like a million dollar like bottom line investing threshold for start for uh, Disney. But I was like, man, I was I was an investor. Um, they showed you know what they were doing, and a lot of this stuff is are limited series. Like it's not going to be five seasons. Right. It's going to be a, basically a mini series. And I was like, actually, that's kind of a neat idea because they sometimes you don't want a three-hour movie. Sometimes you want something that has episodes that could be as long as they need it to be, um, or telling a story and not having being constrained by time. Um, so yeah, I thought that was that was an interesting part of it. I think they're doing the same thing with the uh, Marvel stuff. Is making these yeah, limited none, none of that's, series. None of that's for you know lengthy series. I don't think you're getting Tom Hiddleston to sign on for seven seasons of Loki. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got better things to do. He's got to be in some more dramas. There are some more Graham Greene novels 
that need to be adapted that he needs to appear in. Yeah. So, I mean, Mando was dope. I was let down by the ending for different reasons, but I'm curious, obviously curious to see where it's going to go without the murdering egg eater in tow. Although when he took the helmet off and like BBOs touched his face, I was like screaming, not today at my television. (laughs) (laughs) Not today, Mandalorian. Other things I watched. Kate, while I was off being cute, I was at a place where they had cable television. Oh, oh. So I am all caught up. I'm all caught up on 2015's hottest hits. (laughs) 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 We just, we just rattle them off for you right quick. All right. So the, la- so the last half of Justice League, boy, you know what they don't need okay. to make more of? That. Mm, you tell them that. I can't, can't wait for the seven-hour version. Mm. Uh, I saw Wonder Woman, the first one. <laughs> yeah, and? It was fine. Um, yeah. The, the thing is, like, man, I'm not even saying this from some, like, like ooh, Gal Gadot type thing. What must it be like to be that beautiful? I think about that a lot because I'm like the opposite. I'm just, it's not that I'm, I'm fine looking like no one's like, but I mean, there is a scene. There's a scene in first wonder woman where like, you know, I think they've liberated the village or something. And then it's time to move on to the actual like goal. And spud from train spotting is like, I don't know guys. I'm might just hang back. You guys are probably going to be better off without me. And Diana looks at him and goes, but then who would sing for us? And just the look on her face. I was like, yes, you are Helen of Troy. I would dive into traffic for you. I don't not even, I don't even want to make out with you. I don't want to have sex with you. I don't want to make out with you. You're just that beautiful that I would like do anything for just you to smile at me. Um, what must it uh, be problem, like to be you? My problem is her arms are not big enough. I always think of wonder woman as being like buff as fuck. She's not ripped enough. Anyways, no. But I mean, it was fine. And definitely after watching fucking, ugh, fucking Justice League, it was like, well, this is much better. And then oh yeah, someone cute changed the channel to where Spider-Man Far From Home was on. And I was like, right, fun. Oh, yeah. That's I always what... forget that you haven't seen like any of this. Also, thanks for ruining my 2021 plans <laughs> so, for the show. Oh, you still got some. I didn't see Captain Marvel yet. So you're, you're fine. There's still oh, enough okay. for you to, <laughs> Caitlin, I haven't seen Avengers. Like, Actually? I haven't seen Infinity War. Fuck no. That was going to be my plan. Oh. I was going to be on my plan one year at Christmas, I think. But then those movies are like seven hours long. And I was like, no. <laughs> Sidebar. There was definitely a tweet this week where somebody was like, um, people are moving away from the Drake no yes template. Because um, Drake sometimes texts underage girls. Um, so there's like the Jordy LaForge version. And there's also apparently a Pedro Pascal version where I don't know what it's yeah. from. But he's like making the like no and then yes. <laughs> And the tweet was just, we need shorter movies. And the no Pedro Pascal was like two hours and 25 minutes. And the yes Pedro Pascal was one hour and 45 minutes. And movie Twitter like set themselves on fire. They were like, (laughs) the person who tweeted it originally was like, wow, y'all are out here eating each other. Like for that notion, that movie should be shorter. We know where I stand on that issue. Um, Yeah. Far from home. Just a great reminder that, you know, this shit's supposed to be fun. Tom Holland, you gorgeous little bean you oh yeah isn't he just the cutest just a delight um and then caitlin most importantly yeah i was somewhere where they have cable television and a television filled with robots that you can just talk to and ask for shit and it'll tell you if it's available and i i stroked my chin sagely 
And someone cute was going to be occupied for about an hour or so. And I said, hmm. And I grabbed the robot remote control. I pushed the microphone button. And I said, dashing in December. (gasps) Yes. And courtesy of the CTV drama channel, dashing in December appeared. (laughs) Y'all, I got to see dashing in December. (laughs) I am so jealous. Y'all, you will recall we were looking for the Kumpf Bad Christmas movie this year, and we had staked our money on Dashing in December. Why, Caitlin? Why? Because Andy McDowell. Yes, it. yes. <laughs> because if Andy McDowell is in a fucking Christmas movie, you watch it. And we tried, but it was on the Paramount Network, and Amazon decided they wanted to pay for Yellowstone, but not Dashing in December, so we did not get it. <laughs> we- well, I mean, this is like, this is the thing. They advertised this everywhere. They were like, you want a great Christmas movie with gay cowboys and Andy McDowell? Watch Dashing in December. And Paramount, we tried. We tried so hard, Paramount. We tried so hard. And legally, too. We were ready to buy it. We had wallets open. We were like, take our money. Take our money, gay cowboys. And they were like, nah, you can't have it, dirty Canadians. But I saw it anyway. Thank you, CTV. Caitlin? Yeah? You find me a better movie about gay cowboys. I'll wait. I, I don't think I... Oh, well, actually... That's the joke. Broke back. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the joke. It's like, yes, there's a far better movie about gay cowboys. But not a better movie about gay cowboys with Andy McDowell playing with, one of their moms. With Andy McDowell and a, a, a you know, s- sleigh ride that needs to be saved. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I got, I have to find, if you have it, if one of you out there has this movie, please tell me where I can find it. So we had watched, what the fuck did we watch? Princess Switch? Yes. A few weeks ago? And we Princess had... Switch 2. You were like well, determined. I watched both. I, watched were like, both but... I will watch both, like immediately. I didn't even like have time to be like, oh, but I don't think you've seen the first one. You were already like, I'll watch it. I'm going to shout out. It's set in Colorado. And it looks like it's set in Colorado. At one point, our leading man, I remember his name, who cares? Gay Cowboy number one. Came out. <laughs> wow. Came out in a very comfy looking cow neck cardigan. And I was wearing a comfy cow neck cardigan at the time. I felt so comfy. Just curled up. Well, that's what that's what these movies are supposed to like emanate is comf. And it it did. It was, I mean, were, was there a better one this year? I don't know, but it was pretty good for what it's supposed to do. Listen, it was the most um, sterile kiss between two gay men I've ever seen. A lot of hugging. <laughs> a lot of hugging. A bit of a peck. A good, uh, a good Chekhov's uh, boyfriend uh, who works for Doctors Without Borders, who's mentioned like five times by one of the supporting characters. It was her boyfriend. It was not or her fiance. It was not like any of the romantic leads, like X or anything. They just kept mentioning. It was like, where's he? Is he going to make it back? I don't know. We'll see. And then like with seven minutes left in the movie, dude shows up. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to care about you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and Annie McDowell, Annie McDowell gets some loving too. <gasps> really? Annie McDowell and Carlos hook it up by the end of the movie. Excellent. Um, so... Yes. It's, is it high cinema? No. Was it comfy? Yes. And that's the only thing we asked these movies to do. And you did it yeah, well, we're... Dashing in December. 
Yeah, we're not asking for much. Speaking of comf, I had a plan for New Year's Eve. I didn't really have anywhere to go on New Year's Eve. Didn't really care. New Year's Eve is not really a thing for me. I don't really care that much. But I knew that in previous years, I have enjoyed taking a visit back to the Midnight Diner on New Year's Eve. There are some yeah, very it's a, good, it's a good place to be. There are some very comfy New Year's themed episodes of Midnight Diner, colon, Tokyo Stories, which is a show that I would probably put on the Mount Rushmore of this program, not necessarily as a thing that I gave Caitlin that was like blew her away, but just as like a thing I discovered through the course of making this show was Midnight Diner colon Tokyo Stories, a Netflix relaunch of an old, older Japanese show about a diner in the, I think it's supposed to be Golden Guy, like the Shinjuku area, um, that's open from midnight to 7 a.m. every night, and the master, the proprietor, will make you... He's got two things, like three things on the menu, but he'll make you anything you want if he's got the ingredients. And it's just sort of an anthology series about the various customers that come in, and it's all super comfy, and everything is resolved in, like, 20 minutes. And the New Year's... He's got a bunch of regulars that appear in multiple episodes, and the New Year's episodes are basically, like, everybody who was on on that season, like, drops in and shows up. And it's got... It's, it's, it's so nice. It's, it's like Cheers, but better. Yes. And it's snowy, and they're all packed in the little izakaya, and they're, you know, eating soba and talking about the new year and stuff like that. So I went looking for these, and I punched in Midnight Diner into Netflix, and I went, and I'm looking, and I'm like, this is not... I don't remember any of these episodes. Why doesn't she know the show that I watched any of these episodes? Why are there three seasons? Wait, what? This isn't Tokyo... This isn't Midnight Diner colon Tokyo Stories. This is just regular Midnight Diner. Dun, dun, dun! Netflix got the first three seasons, y'all. And Caitlin? Yeah? I ate half a Delicio box pizza and watched Midnight <laughs> Diner all night Only long. Half? And it was... <laughs> there may have also been some veal parm involved at one point. Uh, oh, okay. And some Borsan on Triscuits. Y'all, Caitlin... <laughs> Caitlin bought me a Caitlin bought me a grocery gift card for Christmas. Uh, because with, if I gave him money, he'd spend it on albums. Possibly, with the you know directive to like buy some fancy shit for New Year's. So <laughs> when I told her I bought some Borsan, which is just a name I heard her mention once, cheese aficionado that she is, Caitlin McKinnon bellowed, "It's the queen of cheese!" And she was right, y'all. It's fucking delicious. Borsan did not come to fuck around. Um, yeah, and I just <laughs> I just watched so much Midnight Diner. Uh OG Midnight Diner, a little seedier than the Netflix relaunch. Not that the Netflix relaunch didn't have like strippers and the porn actors and Yakuza in it, but like there was like actual nudity in this season. I was like, oh, 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 okay. I don't come to Midnight Diner for that. Uh, <laughs> I have other places I go for that. Midnight Diner is not one of them. Also, it's I'm not going to say it's interesting to see like, cause when you watch Tokyo stories, you're just kind of thrown into it and you never really care that you don't, you might not even really know a character's name. They're just kind of always kicking around and you piece it together as you go. And I found that to be a bit of the charm, but it's much more Netflix money. One definitely helped, you know, that was shot on film. The first season of the original is shot on video. So it looks a little faker. It's a little more like, expository, like explaining who these people are, um, which is different. I wasn't expecting that. 
And also, Kate, I've since read that this is not ever, like, fully explained. Mm -hmm. But there's a dude who hangs around for most of the season just, like, making an abacus out of peanuts, you find out, all by the end of the season. And at one point, he's always talking about, like, life is like a river. And he mentions a different river with a metaphor. And he's dressed, like, traditionally, like in a kimono. Are you talking? Yeah. And at one point, he gets up. He's he's talking to the master, and he's like, so I don't like to stay in one place very long. I think I'm going to get going. And he's like, master's like, okay. And as he's walking out the door, this younger guy turns to him and goes, I'm sorry about your scar. I promise I'll make it up to you. <gasps> Yo, they mentioned his scar, but they never go back to it. That's okay. Just tell me how that's we how we his- get to make, that's, that, you know what? All the people writing, um, the like extended universe fiction. <laughs> these are the things give, that they need. Give me my Kira. You're deep in the fucking fanfic universe. You get me my midnight diner fanfic. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need any of this other slash stuff. This is what we need. Tell me where the master got his scar from. So, yeah, y'all just look forward to, like, the next three weeks of me just talking about how comfy Midnight Diner is. Because, Kate, I get ready for bed, settle in, I watch maybe one or two episodes, and you know how they always end? Even from from the jump, they always end with the characters kind of, like, breaking the fourth wall and talking about how to make the item that has been the centerpiece of that episode of Midnight Diner. Yep. And then one of the characters will say, oh, yes to me. Oh, yes to me, Nasai, which is just, you know, a polite way to say goodnight. And I say, oh, yes to me back. And then I turn the PlayStation off and I go to bed. It's delightful. That's really nice. I wish more TV shows said goodnight to me. Right? Because then... You're, my best, friend tele- you're just, my best friend television. Be nicer to me. I just... If it doesn't say goodnight, I just keep on watching it. I just want some contact. <laughs> I need I need closure. I need an endpoint, or I'll never stop. Speaking of never stopping, it feels like we've never stopped this episode, and we still have a back half to get through, so we're going to put a pin in this, get a little beverage when we come back. We know you got soul. If you didn't, you wouldn't be in here. We're going to talk about Pixar's latest when we come back from this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where we talk about the things that we brought each other, except we didn't do that. We watched the same thing. Yeah. Which we do sometimes. Topical. Because there's lots of stuff out. And yeah, topical. And time. And I was in hibernation. And frankly, y'all, we're like four years into this. Like, it's getting harder to find stuff that we like that the other person hasn't seen. So. Yeah. And there are some things that I'm never going to give Jordan because I don't want him to be mean to it and make me cry. And there are things that I also just know he's not going to enjoy. So why would I do that to him? I mean, he's still my friend. Why would she do that to me? Her friend. To Jordan. Yeah. Um, But we still have some rules. Uh, The first rule is that if it comes in parts, we watch three of them, so we get a sense of the thing, but it doesn't apply because it's a movie. The second is hashtag save it for the pod, which does apply because we don't talk about the things until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Nope. And the thir- third rule is not really a rule. It's just a policy is that there will be thorough spoilers. And so if you don't like spoilers and you haven't seen this movie, you need to go. And get the fuck out. 
This is a very new item where normally we'd be like, fuck you if you don't like spoilers, blah, blah, blah. This thing's from like 1997. This came out two weeks ago. So if you have any intention of seeing the Disney Pixar movie Soul and have not seen it yet, you probably want to duck out and check back with us later. Yeah. Basically. What's Soul, Um, Kate? Soul is a 2020 American computer animated fantasy comedy drama. Yeah. You know, the longer the better. Uh, film produced by Pixar Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. Directed by Pete Doctor and co-directed by Kemp Powers. The film stars the voices of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, Alice Braga, Richard Ayo Adi, Felicia Rashad, yeah, Donald Rawlings, Questlove, and Angela Bassett. The story follows a middle school music teacher named Joe Gardner who seeks to reunite his soul and his body after they are accidentally separated just before his big break as a jazz musician. So So this was this was Disney's big uh, this was Disney Pixar's big theatrical offering for the year. Obviously, most theatrical offerings did not go theatrical, sorry Nolan. Um so this dropped on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. Um which is, I think, how all of us are consuming it. I, where do you even start with this, Kate? Um, okay. I'm going to start with a comparative analysis <laughs> of other Disney, sorry, Disney Pixar, Pixar movies. Hmm. Um, I am a big Pixar fan and a big Disney fan. I know that makes me a horrible human being. Um, but I feel like it's important to be truthful to you guys. Um, I love kids movies and I love, uh, I love the Pixar formula, um, which is, you know, something not right. People come together, some sort of sacrifice. Everything's okay. Basically, basically that's it. Um, I even liked Cars, which... <laughs> oh, long-time listeners know. <laughs> yes, which Cars 3 is a masterpiece. I'll stick by that. Um, I actually found this movie really boring. You brought up an interesting point where you said, you know, you said you like kids' movies. This is something yeah. I have come back to haven't since I watched this. Is this a kids' movie? Well, okay, so that's a fair point because... You know, this this movie has a lot of adult elements. It has, you know, end of life. Um, the, the big question of what are souls? Do we have souls? What happens when we die? What happens before we're born? Like big metaphysical type questions. Okay, for, um, sorry. For, before we get into that. I'm doubling back. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let's get into okay. some, let's get some plot mechanics first. So we have Joe, our main character who yeah. the middle school teacher kind of, you know, not fulfilled by that. Um, and still trying to take gigs where he can talented player, loves jazz, gets a shot for an old, a former student calls him up. There's an opening in some trio he's playing at Dorothea Walker. That's her name. I believe Did I remember that. Good. Yes. For me. yes. Um, there's an opening in her trio. He goes down. He auditions. Quartet. Quartet. You know, you are correct. It is a quartet. Um, he auditions. He just totally loses himself in the music. He like impresses everybody. And it's like, all right, come back, come back tonight. We'll see if you can do that again. He's feeling himself. This is it. Big break. 
promptly falls down a manhole cover and dies. Um, yeah. Well, and doesn't die. Doesn't is in die. a coma. Is on his way to the great beyond. Yes. Um, which is a long escalator leading into just a white light. And everybody is. Everybody on the escalator is super amped about it, except for Joe. Um, <laughs> Joe's like, nah, this ain't happening. He ends up falling off the escalator into uh, the, what, I mean, what do they call it? It's like a pavilion or something? or a, Some sort of beautifully yeah. animated pink purple <laughs> land where these little baby souls who have not inhabited a body yet, they have not existed in corporeal form on Earth, um, are basically getting their personalities together. Some of it will be decided on site, but some of it's kind of like, you know, with you already. Over <laughs> some of those states, so there's a brief moment where like some of these baby souls like talk to the camera with like I'm a this, I'm a that. And it's like it's like I'm a dispassionate loner. <laughs> yeah. And thing things of that sort. And uh, Joe figures out that this is probably his best shot to get back to Earth and get his body back and make it to the gig and pursue all his dreams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He has to fake being a mentor. That's the only way you can kind of really like hang out around there is by being mm-hmm. a mentor to the younger souls. Um, and he gets paired up with 22, who is the, the one soul that apparently just, you can't go to earth until everything on your little, you have this little dial or little badge yep. that fills in with personality traits. And then there's one thing that's like your spark, which is like a, what they, what Joe assumes is your purpose. You know, right. the, the, re- the reason you're there and the reason you were put on earth and that's the one thing that 22 can't ever get. And they've been trying this for a long ass time and it's not really working. Um, but Joe sees that as their best shot to like get him back to earth and get his body back. So that's the plan. Hilarity ensues. 22 ends up in Joe's body. Joe ends up in the body of a cat. Um, and they have to, and they find someone who can help them sw- uh, well, Joe to switch, and the whole point that, like, the reason 22 is helping him is because 22 does not want to become a person. No. 22 wants to stay in the great before. Uh, they've already seen what's down there. They don't care about it. Um and so they're like, we're going to, you know, we'll get you back down there. And then basically I like, because technically you'll, they'll take my badge or something like that. I won't, I won't have to go. I can just stay here. Yes. Um, and through, you know, mischief and, and, and disorganization um, and impatience, Joe ends up in the cat. And 22 ends up in his body and then, but they know someone who can, who can fix it. However, through being in Joe's body, 22 gets to experience the world and then eventually gets their spark. Yes. Um, and there's some, some, we'll get to it, I guess a little bit later, but there's some debate about whether 22 got their spark because they were in Joe or because they got to experience what life could be like. Yes. Um, basically as 22 is in Joe's body, Joe is directing them to like do some of the nuts and bolts of getting 
Joe ready for this audition he's still trying to make it to in time. Um, they're not, it's the gig. He's got the job. He's got, he's going to play the gig, but the gig could be his like shot to being a, you know, actual working musician. Yes. And as Joe gets to, you know, witness his life kind of from the outside and like his relationship with his mother and like his friends at the local barbershop and things like that. Um, and this is where I start to stumble, okay? Because I don't know. <laughs> I don't, you don't know I, what? I don't know what the lesson is. Uh, which is why I don't know okay. if it's a kid. Which is why I don't know why if it's a kid's movie. Which let's go back to that question now that we've dealt with some of the plot mechanics. Okay. Of what happens in the movie. Is it a kid's movie? I mean, but this is the way, like, is Animaniacs a kid's show? Like, this is the way stuff's been moving for a long time. Yes, the the beats are are part of a kids movie arc, the kind of the kind we see come out of Disney and Pixar. Um, but there is a lot of content there for adults. I think the scale, ultimately for me, was too balanced to the one side, which is great for me because I'm a crusty adult. Right. So I actually or really we, liked it for that fact. But if I'm looking at it as like... We can... Why don't we... Okay, fine. Let's scrap kids movie. Let's say family movie. All right. Is that fair? Because you, if you are kids older, say your kid is 10, 11, 12, this movie's fine for them. Listen. Maybe not fine for a four-year-old. I still kind of have the same criticism, though, because I feel like this movie is trying to do what Up did effortlessly. Right. The kids portion. I don't think it's pulling off the kids portion. Mm. A family could watch up and the parents are going to be devastated by the first five minutes, by the idea of like just missing the point about what mattered in your life type of thing, or like what you think you didn't accomplish and things like that. Meanwhile, the kids are laughing at the dog who can talk like, yeah, he's Doug and he loves you. He does love you. Um, he just met you and he loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this, I don't know what the kid's part here was. Was it him being but, in a cat? Was it, was it? But again, but again, this is like, we're talking, if you're talking 10, 11, 12, they're getting like, that's junior high ish. They're getting a lot of that humor. I guess just, I'm I'm reminded, I'm always reminded of a tweet. It was a tweet that I saw where it was like, Pixar movies 20 years ago, (laughs) talking toys, Pixar movies today. What is your purpose in life? What's the the structures by which you define your worth? Like, I think that simplifies the the, the toy story (laughs) movies, but you know, I think it's more like the whole point was what happens to you basically when your, your person stops wanting to play with you like there's really crazy deep stuff in toy story let's not let's get this straight i mean listen they um, were all resolving to die at the end of toy story 3 and them fuckers all held hands on their way to the fire like yeah like let's like, whoa um but uh i don't know i okay so by let's go back to what i initially said which was i found this movie boring um, I, didn't, I didn't find it Boring. I found it had it moved at a weirder energy than I was expecting. And I mean, I'm not super up on Pixar, more recent Pixar. Like, you know, I didn't see what was the last one onward. I didn't see onward. I didn't see 
Mm. Oh my god, Onward was great, and I cried so hard at that. Onward, though, Onward was a movie for definitely tween teens and older. So I didn't see that one. I didn't see, you know, Toy Story Part 12 or Up Part 6 or whatever ones. They do a lot of sequels, y'all. Uh, <laughs> Actually, seen... they've really only done Toys and Cars sequels. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen much of the recent fare. But I just found it moved with, like, a different kind of energy. Again, leading me back to my question, is this a kid's movie? Because I didn't find it hit the same kind of beats. Sidebar, special shout-out, speaking of, like, beats, um, to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who did the score. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) Who loves Nine Inch Nails and just ambient music? Every time you hear a weird, like, bling-blong type of music... (laughs) While he was running, while while Joe was running around the Soul Pavilion, was uh was Trent Reznor. So shouts to him. Another good job, Trent Reznor. Another Oscar for that guy coming. What a a career! I fell down a Nine Inch Nails hole recently. It was very. That's the other thing I watched: Song Exploder. And there's a Nine Inch Nails episode, so I've been on a big Trent Reznor kick this week. (laughs) What a career for that dude! Um. So yeah, I don't. I liked it. It's gorgeous. Let's just praise that right now. It's it's a Pixar movie. It's they're good, very good at what they what they do. Yeah. It was beautiful. Any of the, like, the whole, the Jerry's, which are just, like, you know, the the wisdoms of the universe, <laughs> just kind yep. of milling around. They're animated as these, like, 2D neon type things. Gorgeous. Yep. So every time they're on the screen, they just pop, and you just, like, want to hang out with them. Um, the scene in the barbershop, I adored. I thought it was great. Um, yes, that was also great. Like, they had, there were good scenes. But, okay, fine. Boring, maybe not quite right, but you're right. Definitely a very much more low-key type of energy. Even when it was, like, madcap, I didn't feel it had the same kind of, like, frenetic energy that, like, a lot of other, like, like in the scene where 22 has decided they want to live and don't want to, like, essentially hold up the deal um, that they made with Joe. There's a chase scene where Joe's chasing them as the cat and like it's a chase scene, but it didn't, I don't know. It just didn't really seem to pop like other, like, you know, chasing the ostrich thing and up or whatever. Right. Like, or, right. or, you know, Wally in the steering wheel, like fighting for the plan at the end of Wally. Right. Like it just didn't really seem to pop that way. It's a very, it's a, it has a lot to say. Kate. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out it does. what to make of it. Um, like the second they got, so ultimately, and this is what I, I enjoyed this as well. Ultimately, by the end of the movie, um, so Joe's gotten his body back. He is gone to the gig, crushed it, got the you know got the job, um, and he, you know, he's reconciled with his mom. He's had this strained relationship with his mom, who doesn't want him to struggle like his father did. Um, she's come out to see him, super proud, um, and. Then there's a moment where him and Dorothea are, like, standing outside the the jazz cafe or whatever, the club, after the show. And Joe's, like, riding high. It's the best night of his life. And he turns to her and he says, well, what, do we do? what do we do now? And she yeah. says, come back tomorrow and see if you can do it again. Because he thought this was everything he put his entire life on was an opportunity like this. And then he got it. And then he, he even says to her, he's like, I expected it to feel different. And she tells this very brief story, which I don't know 
if it's a known story or if it's a riff on this David Foster Wallace thing, the speech he gave for a grad for commencement, um, the David Foster Wallace piece is something like, you know, two fish are hanging out in the ocean or three fish are hanging out in the ocean. One fish says to the other, like, or says to the other two, water's pretty good today, eh, boys. And second fish turns to the third and goes, what the hell's water? The version in soul is Dorothea turns to Joe and says like, one fish comes up to the other and says, Hey man, I'm looking for the ocean. Can you help me find the ocean? And the first fish says, you're in it. And the second fish says, no, this is water. I'm looking for the ocean. Just the notion that like, it, it's just a matter of perspective, right? He thought the drudgery of, you know, teaching students, that would all be alleviated if he did this thing he thought he was supposed to do, but it just becomes a different type of drudgery depending yeah. on how you want to look at it. So, I mean, I don't know what the movie ultimately is trying to say. Ultimately, he decides that he needs to save 22 who has become a lost soul um, out in this weird outer edge of the great before. Yeah. Um, and you turn into this like, you know, black hulking mass type of thing. And I guess the lesson is what Joe ultimately comes to realize where he tells 22, because 22 ends up getting their spark. Um, and they expect it to be like a purpose or an activity. And it's one of the Jerry's who says it to him. It's like, what, you, that you, it's not, it, or it's that not it's, a spark. Or that it's alluded to where it's like, oh, you humans with your purposes and your. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, no, it's not, it's not like a purpose, like a reason you were put here to be. It's when you decide to start living. Right. Um, and I, that's a heavy, that's a real heavy lesson, <laughs> I guess. Yep. Cause it didn't, um, I initially thought we were going to go down some Mr. Holland's opus type shit where he was going to realize, oh, he didn't get the gig, but he found meaning in the teaching and the shit like that. Um, yeah. But they didn't go that route. He gets the job. Um, does not has a great night. Doesn't necessarily fulfill him. And as someone who, uh, you know, maybe did a similar thing in his life, that hit a little bit. <laughs> You're like, maybe they shouldn't have uh, called me out so hard. It's like, why well, you got to come for me this hard, Pixar? <laughs> as I rec- <laughs> as recall back to my book release. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, what happens now? Oh, uh, you write another one. Or sometimes you don't. Or sometimes you write one and it doesn't come out ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one day, maybe. One day, maybe. Hope I can tell the... Hope I can tell you all about it. Um, so, I mean. Now, see, now that you put it in that perspective, because I have one more note, which mm. is, where's my fucking proper ending, <laughs> Pixar? <laughs> uh, but now that you put it into that perspective, I'm like, it doesn't matter what he does. That's the point. Because that's not what life is about. Um, life is about taking the time to enjoy life. Mm. Um. And, and that was part of, you know, him focusing on this one goal. He wasn't taking the time. Um, the fact he, you know, was too busy to maybe have a relationship with that woman, right? To Listen, just fill I got a, other parts of him. I got a whole, and friends, we're going long on this episode, so I'm not going to get super into it, but I will throw up a link to something I saw this week that talked about how like a major criticism of the film can be how it's not even Joe's story. Like, and I was not expecting the story to play out where like 
I had seen enough promo to know that like it was called Soul, and there was going to be a little cute version of Jamie Foxx with a hat, <laughs> you know, a little a little blob oh, yeah. with a hat and glasses. I knew that was coming. I didn't know it was going to happen. You know, ten minutes into the movie, and I also didn't know he was going to end up as a cat for like a smooth third of the movie. <laughs> um, that's got strong Princess and the Frog. <laughs> Deja Vu, which is not great. And if you don't know that, you can also look that up. You can look that up. But I will throw up a link to, uh, on the Twitter, on the show Twitter, about someone who very smartly breaks down um, some of those issues uh, regarding the issues of representation that can arise uh, with this movie. And included in those criticisms was one thing that, like, I even noticed watching the movie was they mentioned this Lisa woman, like, five times. Yeah. And she's never seen. <laughs> they yeah, just didn't think that was important, I guess. Well, no, because that's not part of his life right now. It could have been and it might be, but that's his choice to make. Mm. I think that was a great touch, just having this like shadow of a memory and 22 being like, you should really call Lisa. Um, I, I don't, I, yeah, I liked it. I didn't hate it by any means. I just, it's just a very, okay. it's a very odd Pixar offering. It's not what you, if you go to Pixar for a certain thing, I don't know that this movie is going to give it to you. It's unlike any Pixar movie I've seen. And that doesn't mean I didn't like it or that it was objectively bad. It's not a Pixar movie is never going to be bad. They're too good mm-hmm. at what they're too good at what they do. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, but there are, it's a very, it's a weird ass movie. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely worth a watch. I don't know. You know, don't expect a, you know park your six-year-old down with you and have a great old time like you were watching Cars or some shit. Like, it ain't going to be that. Like, it's a heady-ass movie, and that was not something I was expecting. Um, But, but, even if you don't like jazz, like me, (laughs) you'll still like it. And the music. Most of the time. You will still like it. Also, trombone is dope. (laughs) Trombone. Yeah, go Connie. Trombone is a dope-ass instrument. Kate, what are we going to give this? Oh, gosh. A seven? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give a 7.5. Okay. I'm going to stick with my seven. What a, what a three out of four stars would be. Um, it's worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's very, in the in the pantheon of Pixar offerings, it's very unique. Um, and, hey, it's sitting on your Disney Plus. You could watch it today. So why don't you watch it today? And then hit us up on Twitter.com at GeekDownPod and let us know what you thought of it. Hit up off Twitter. Because we've just had a very meandering, confused, buzzing conversation about it. I don't know that either of us still really know what to make of it. I, I almost yeah. feel like I want to rewatch it. And I don't know if that never happens. So maybe it should be an eight for that reason, right? Like it's just. I, I don't know. I know that Sierra Correspondent Chris got really anxious about the body switching <laughs> and, and left. And I had to watch it alone. So maybe, maybe it's worth a rewatch or I could just watch Brave again, right? <laughs> or you could watch Brave or I could watch Wally. <laughs> yeah. Wally. Well, friends, that's about going to wrap up a chunky episode of the Geek Down podcast. You know how it gets when we take a week off and we haven't. I was just about to say, what did you and the audience you expect? You know how that's going to go. Friends, welcome back. To 2021, another year with your new BFFs. We have no idea what it's going to bring, but we will be with you as much as we 
possibly can every week going forward. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another amazing episode of the Down Podcast. It's just perspective, right? Did I lose you? Are you still yeah. here? Okay. No, no, no. I'm just, I was letting you, I was, you said it very well. You're a very good speaker. I would have like six times asked what a fish was or like, what's that thing that swims in an ocean? Like. <laughs>